Alright. Hello! Hello! Hey, Maximoy! <laughs> Juice is excited. <laughs> yeah, I'm super excited because... Okay, you get you get to spoil it this time. Yeah, this time I'm gonna jump the gun. Hey, we got a new guest. Oh. Anna from Antler Interactive. Hi there, Anna. Hello, hello. Happy to be here. Oof, uh, we're even more happy to have you here. <laughs> um, we met, me and you, on a game conference. and there, It's an embarrassing story uh, from my side, but we can take that later on. Uh, but I want you to tell us who you are, what you do, and why you're so awesome. All right. Yes. So let's get to it. Um, so my name is Anna Norvik, and I work as the CEO of the game studio Antler Interactive, based in Stockholm. And uh, my games career started at uh, Paradox Interactive in January 2014 where I worked as a CEO assistant uh, with uh, Fredrik Wester, who was the previous CEO of Paradox. And uh, that's what I did my first year. Uh, I realized quickly that I want to work closer to where the games are actually made, uh, because I was very curious about how, how things are looking behind the scenes. So after one year, I decided to go to the studio side of things and uh, worked on Stellaris, uh, the space grant strategy from Paradox. And uh, then I worked on uh, Crusader Kings 2 as a, a producer slash team lead uh, for quite some time. Also worked on the EU4 expansions. And last but not least, worked on the uh, quite recent release, uh, which is uh, Crusader Kings 3. Uh, also, a grand strategy, uh, which is the specialty of that studio, and it's uh, played out on a, on a map where you can um, conquer more and more land while taking care of your dynasty and making sure your heirs survive. Um, after after working at Paradox for almost five years, I heard from uh, some people that I had been in contact with before actually because I was interested in investing in their company, uh, which was called Survive Studios, and it was spelled S-V-R, Vibe. And uh, with the name, you might guess that that was a, a VR studio, so heavily focused on VR. And it's the studio that later became Antler Interactive, where I work right now. And uh, the reason for why I thought that was super interesting is, uh, first, because I've always had a dream of working or leading a game studio since I was 14 or so. And the second thing is because I was and am super interested in virtual reality and the new technology and what you can do with games. So, so it was easy for me to jump over to Antler Interactive and, uh, and uh, what Survive Studios then was. Um, it was a studio created by five uh, interesting founders who had very different backgrounds. Um, so a few of them had met in school, I think. And one was a programmer, one was an artist, and the one was a like VR guru. So they, together with a finance guy and a PR guy, decided to to create this because VR was uh, the thing that united them, and uh, they thought it was the future. So. They created this studio and uh, things went quickly. So we early got uh, an investment 
of uh, quite a lot of millions and uh, increased the team and created two VR games. So the first one called Survive the Deus Helix, which is a, uh, a puzzle adventure game with story in VR. And uh, a second game that's called Katong, that's by Cardboard, more of a stealth FPS kind of game. And uh, after that, we realized that our VR games were on the top selling lists on Steam and they still didn't uh, sell as much as we hoped. And uh, especially the VR headsets in the world hadn't sold as much as we had hoped and the whole industry hoped there. Uh, so this was in from 2016 when it was created to 2018. And so uh, we decided that we were going into mobile instead and mobile AR because AR wasn't that far from working with VR. It was still a lot of immersion aspects to think about there. So uh, so we switched over and made a work for hire project for Stendaline, the, the Swedish cruising company, uh, as, as our first AR production. And then uh, created our own AR IP, uh, which is called Crystal Kart AR. It's like a, it's like a Mario Kart in AR where you place a racing track in front of you and you move your camera to steer the cars and you can play multiplayer up to four players against each other and the, the track is right in front of you so you can go super close or stand far away and uh, and uh, move your car to uh, get first to the finish line and then we made a game called Christopia a puzzle journey uh, which we started with AR, having some AR integration on, uh, which I could talk more about later if we're interested. Um, and, yeah, uh, definitely. Yeah, so the short story there is we, we started with having one part of this game that was AR for that game and focus on the puzzle adventure aspects of that game. And that game uh, got a lot of great reviews in the mobile stores. And uh, we decided to continue on a sequel, an independent sequel called Christopia Nova's Journey, which we re released now in 2020 on 21st of July. So that was uh, quite recently. And right now we're working on a few different, very exciting projects that, uh, yeah, that we will know more about very soon, whether we're going to do them or not, um, because one of them is dependent on a, a big company that we have applied to work with, one could say. Oof, so there was a lot to unpack there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, 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 and yeah. just to summarize, so our studio, we're working with the, uh, high quality games with new technology. So it's meant both VR, AR, and since December last year, we're also working with blockchain games. So that is actually our main focus right now, which I also have a lot to say about. <laughs> and you will have your time. Yeah. Uh, so for anyone listening right now, that is the reason why we took the, the combination of AR and uh, blockchain in the previous episode, not the one that just came out. Uh, last week, but the one before that, yeah, uh, it was because we knew that Anna would be the guest here. Cool. Um, so yeah, you, you talked about you talked about uh, the the company going from VR to AR and now to to blockchain, mm -hmm. and you've had these different kinds of IPs that you talked about. Both Deus Helix, that was a VR game, right? 
Yeah, correct. And then Cartong, which also was in a VR, and then yeah. you had some. All of a sudden, you jumped over from VR to AR in in. So and jump the genre as well. So instead of having these uh, mystical things in carton, death bike, yeah. cardboard, right? That was kind of yeah. a stealth game. You said uh, you went straight up to Mario Kart, uh, kind of a, a genre. What was what was the what was the thought process there? Yeah, Going from something think... stealthy into something more because I played the game and it is really funny. Uh, it's it's very cartoony, very easy to get going with. What was exactly. the thought process? Yeah, that's a very very good question. Uh, since it's uh, it's not obvious what would take it that uh, part of uh, the game's uh, genres to the complete other side of them, and and uh, the I think what what is important to to understand to understand that decision is that the studio was based on very creative people um, and uh, our philosophy uh, in making that switch to uh, making crystal cart in ar was that we wanted something an idea that works in the physical world world that is proven already so you know the radio steered cars when well what you had when you were young like you could steer cars in the f- normal physical world um oh, with, yeah, the remote uh, control yeah, with the yeah. controller or something yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. Re- remote cars or whatever they are called so we we use that idea um, because it was it was proven, it's something that people love and feel a lot of nostalgia about. And then we wanted to put that that feeling and that experience into AR uh, and see see what would happen. So that was the very basic idea: using using something that already works, but putting it with new technology. And and that was the the best example that we could think of at the time uh, that we thought would would work in AR. So uh, so yeah, it was very much um, the basis from like what would work in AR. How do we make a game for new technology there? Uh, whereas when we went back to Puzzle Adventure with the Christopia games, then we were more basing our decisions on what are we as a studio really really uh, good at like what kind of games uh, do we make that that we have strengths for in the people in our team uh, so so it was a little bit different in how we took those decisions i feel like we've we've learned a lot for each game that we made yeah and I'm, I'm, from my experience is that as soon as you go from one game to another just a jump is giving you an extra boost in in experience, right? So jumping ship from one from one genre to another, I'm guessing just gives you a super super boost in that in that yeah sense. in one way in one way definitely because uh, you you get a better idea of where you should be. On the other hand, I also think it's important to focus on what are your strengths. So that you can become the best in the world at at one thing there, um, and the thing is though with new technology like blockchain, AR and VR, you you kind of have to experiment 
quite a lot to find just what works and what doesn't, what what feels good with those technologies. Uh, like there are so many things that might sound good in real or might sound good in theory, but that don't work out uh, at all. So, for example, in VR, I'm sure that when people hear the concept of VR, they they imagine that you can do a lot of worlds or games where you walk around a lot of, in the worlds and stuff. But we know that one of the biggest challenges is like, how do you actually walk around and making that feel immersive in VR? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's it's always important, I think, to to experiment. And uh, and then when you've found a niche that works, I think it's uh, it's good to iterate on it um, and and realize what's the, what is your thing within this space that actually works. As a follow-up to that one, uh, have you found your niche? Do you feel like this is using the AR and the blockchain uh, technology? That's that's where you want to be, and is that the sphere? Yeah, I, yeah. So I would say um, we have we have found that we can do really good things with AR, but at the same time, we also for a lot of things to happen technology-wise. Like we want persistent anchors in the world in order to create really cool multiplayer experiences with AR. And we're not there yet really with the technology we have. So in short, that you can place digital objects at different uh, geolocation points in the world and go to them and they are still there after a year when you go back. And so I think this is technology that a lot of companies are working on right now and everyone wants to dominate this digital space, which we're going to use in the future. But uh, there is still a lot of things to do there. So we are still missing quite a lot of features as game developers that we would like to have in order to make really, really good games there. So in my opinion, it is, it is still early days for AR, and it is definitely still early days for blockchain as well. Um, but I think there might be more use cases now in blockchain. Um, but we, yeah, we have also realized a lot about what are our strengths just in, in game genres. We know that we are uh, relatively good at story, and uh, we... Um, we, we, we are good at puzzles and uh, that kind of adventure genre. And we make really, really good art, really beautiful and uh, art that often sticks out. So yeah, we're, we're trying to find a good combination of what we internally can do in, in the pure game experience and how we can use the technology that we're excited about and mix them and make an amazing potion. <laughs> Sounds really cool. Yeah. Um, I, in terms of uh, now, just throwing a bunch of questions on you here because yeah, uh, I can't get en- I can't get enough of you <laughs> the, the story <laughs> because I've been I've been following you kind of like a creepy guy uh, basically <laughs> <but> for- <laughs> <Great>. <laughs> through the media. <laughs> Let's just say that um, I've seen where you where you gone from, and I've seen the I've played the game that you that that you've tra- the, the the Crystal Cart game. And mm-hmm. um, I've also seen things that you that you have talked about. 
publicly. Uh, mm-hmm. Like I said, I we met at Leo Game Conference. Uh, that was way, way before you became the CEO of Survive, nowadays called Antler. Uh, by the way, why did you change the name into Antler? Yeah, because uh, Survive was so heavily connected with the virtual reality, and we wanted to to be a bit more technically agnostic. Uh, so yeah, that, that we, makes sense. We can move in other genres. Plus, apparently, there is uh, another VR studio in the US called Survio Studios, and <laughs> they don't want to get uh, mixed up uh, with them. And uh, they had a trademark on that name as well. So Ooh. many, many good reasons, I would say. Yeah. Plus, it was very hard to pronounce survive since it's svr yeah it was it was a meme right because there were a lot of people saying (laughs) yeah it became a thing i don't think it was intended like that from the start but it was definitely successful in that sense that it came (laughs) uh if i recall correctly the uh the crystal uh, card game that you have in the ar also uses blockchain right it does, yeah. I'm happy you ask about it. It was our first first attempt of making something with blockchain, uh, which seemed like an exciting area for us, even though this was before we got acquired by a blockchain company called Chromaway. And um, what you can do in Crystal Cart is that if you own a crypto kitty i know that you talked about the crypto kitties in the last episode <laughs> so if you own one of those uh, fluffy colorful cats in your crypto wallet then you can actually write your crypto wallet address into our game uh, at least on the android version uh, uh, note here is that the apple has been more reluctant to to blockchain things integration <laughs> in games unfortunately which we have talked with them about but they yeah they were not happy in any case so if you have it on android you can write in your crypto wallet address and uh, and unlock then a free so-called um well kitty cart in the game which uses your own crypto kitties color and pattern on a a cart that looks like it's a, a kitty. So it's, it looks like it's your <laughs> crypto kitty on wheels. <laughs> so then oh, you can play with it in, in the normal game. Um, so yeah, so that's something we, uh, we had as a, uh, as a kind of a marketing thing to, to reach out to the blockchain community and, uh, and see what would happen, uh, which was uh, really fun too make and then the second integration was that you could also buy a, a set of cars through a marketplace which is called OpenSea and OpenSea is uh, yeah, one of the biggest marketplaces for blockchain assets where you can buy and sell assets and they can be for all kinds of games and uh, we released let's see I think between one and ten cars for each model and we made like one ethereum car and one bitcoin car <laughs> and one that was a collaboration with uh, a guy called ivan on tech so so we released some special car editions as well that you could uh, get to your crypto wallet and unlock <laughs> sounds amazing yeah uh, do you have any questions, Maxwell? Do you have any comments, by the way? Yeah, I wanted I wanted to ask because we, we've asked uh, before as as well. When when did you know that you wanted to work with games? 
when did you when did you get into that was it was it early days or was it later in life yeah yeah it was it was definitely not a code so i played a lot of games since i was young and at the time when i was 14 years old i think i both played the most games that i've ever done in my life i played the halo 24 7 and uh <laughs> Also, uh, also, I read sometimes when I did not play Halo 2, I play, read the business part of the newspaper. And in some way at that point, that shaped the dream of becoming a leader in, the, in for a games company in the future. Um, so that's uh, where it came from. And uh, yeah, I've... At the time, I was also playing a lot of Age of Empires 2 and a game called The Longest Journey. So it, it really, but Halo was the main part there. Yeah, Halo was a popular game, actually. It was very, very, uh, very popular during during its day. I think it still is very popular. They're, they, they're coming with a new Halo mm -hmm. now, right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very excited. <laughs> yeah, you, it sounds like you definitely should play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I play every Halo game. I don't stuck as I did before and playing lots of multiplayer, but I at least have to go through the campaign on them. Yeah. Maybe you can make me inspired. Um, I've had a hard time with Halo games previously. Um, really? And my experience with Halo is Halo 1 on Xbox, which was basically, mm -hmm. a, it felt like a super space jumpy kind of a game uh in contrast to what was it uh perfect dark i think it was that i played mm, for 64 perfect dark was also yeah. fantastic <laughs> yeah but it i never had cool. a nintendo 64 so. oh man you should you should definitely get one <laughs> yeah it was actually my dream when i was like 10 but and i think i cried <laughs> for not getting one <laughs> uh. <laughs> so, so it, it would really yeah, it it felt good when I last Christmas actually got the Nintendo Switch finally from my boyfriend. Oh yeah, that that was <laughs> a nice one. Uh, yeah. I can I can attest to that. I I love my Switch actually. It's uh, it's really awesome. I I like that Nintendo kind of went another way than the rest of uh, or yeah, the Sony Sony and Microsoft. Um, they're not really trying to compete with them, but they're just creating their own their own stuff, which I, I really like actually. Uh, the portable thing is awesome. Also, the fact that yeah. you can actually run Android on it and then run cloud gaming on it is even more awesome. <laughs> That's like <laughs> really, really cool, actually. By the way, in, in terms of cloud gaming, that's also a new technology. Is that something that you're looking into uh, as, an, as a CEO of Antler? Well, cloud gaming from the perspective of AR, uh, to store AR elements on the cloud, but um, not the streaming kind of not the uh, streaming games part. yet. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, you're talking about the, that the technology isn't really there yet in terms of geolocations and anchors that, you, that you're missing. What would, what would need, be needed for you to actually have those in place? Is it like 10 years away from now or is it something that you can... No, I think it's honestly one to two years before we have something really good to work with. Because I think the, the giant companies like Apple and Google are likely to put in a lot of effort and money 
and focus on uh, on getting this to a completely new level and um, really making new technology be one of the front things with their uh, upcoming uh, systems. So, uh, so, so I believe that they will create uh, something great there, uh, and it's not that far away. Um, they they seem really interested in AR, both of those companies. So. Must yeah, be. I think I think in terms of uh, revenue and things that you can get from AR, uh, in a couple of years from now, the there there will be a lot of industries just booming with AR uh, technology just thrown yeah, at it. Yeah, exactly. There are so many applications also outside of games. So uh, in a lot of ways, it, it's almost inevitable that it becomes a a big thing um but uh, it's interesting to see how it's going to be in games i like that you mentioned the uh, mario kart live in your last episode <laughs> yeah <laughs> that would be one of your competitors right now right yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh, i'm happy we were first though yeah yeah, yeah. that's true so that's true. so in other words they're taking your concept right now Exactly. You should they sue them. <laughs> and their Mario Kart. Where did this Mario Kart came from? <laughs> exactly. No, but I, no, I, I, I think yeah. that, you know, it's uh, that's what's required uh, and always has been kind of in the case of AR. I think we talked about this last episode as well, but um, the big companies actually have to implement support for it in form of, you know, sensors and different things like, like they have on, until today. I mean... They, they have done a lot of things, but I think that to propel it to the next level, they just they just have to be there. Support needs to be there and they just need to keep developing it. Uh, I don't know how much it, how much you can do by yourself. Uh, I haven't thought about it that much, but I, I guess that, I mean, ultimately with their support, everything is possible, um, I guess. Exactly. And I think that they have to also put some money in the developers and i'm not just saying it because we are a developer working with ar but uh, but i mean with vr there were lots of companies getting investments uh, but since that boom hasn't been uh, as much as the investors at the time expected i feel like a lot of investors right now feel burnt with vr and therefore it spills over on ar yeah. Uh, whereas we would need more investments in AR applications in general and investors to dare to invest in that kind of technology. Yeah, yeah, that's that's true. I mean, the problem with VR, I, I think, was that when it, when it first came out, it was just too expensive. I, it was too expensive for, yeah. for people, normal people, to get into it. Uh, so it, it didn't really cause that boom. I, I know that when... Um, I think HTC Vive was the first one to come out and that was like a thousand dollars or something um, yeah. and then on top of that I mean you actually needed a computer that could run those things because it was very very processing heavy so it's not only a thousand dollars it's a thousand dollars if you already have a good PC then the Oculus came and it was like seven hundred eight hundred dollars um, so I think that you know it was just too high of a threshold for normal people to get into to be honest um absolutely yeah Yeah, and we're we're in a much better position with vr there right now with the quest at least being standalone it's a huge step i think and uh, and uh, yeah it can probably be a lot of things done still with uh, with how easy it is to like how how heavy it is and uh, how complicated it must be 
I mean, it's, ideally, it should just be like putting it on and not being too bothersome. And maybe you can see people around you in some way, even though it's possible to also close off and see, be completely immersed. So, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and uh, one thing I've also been thinking about is that I think it's going to change if more other things in your home become packed, packaged with VR equipment. So in that sense, I think P PlayStation has done a, a good thing with the PSVR that it's like part of certain packages for my PlayStation. But uh, I think the other VR competitors so should find some way of either doing deals with the um, companies that ship computers or, or, or create computers or TVs or or some part of the rest of the home. So it becomes more of a, a nice extra thing that more and more people get in their homes. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely going forward. I, I've heard good things about the Quest 2 as well. and. Um, you know, it's it's one of the biggest, I think, was also that um, on these more modern uh, headsets that I've seen, you don't require the, I don't know what they're called, these tracking uh, satellites that you have. For, yeah, uh, yeah, it's, yeah. An inverse, it's an inverse tracking. So it goes from from the, uh, the, what is it, the headset. Yeah, the headset has cameras on it, basically, exactly. that track your movement. Yeah, and that's, I mean, that's one, one also a, a big kind of leap forward just because you can play anywhere it's not like oh i need to have my vr area and you know mo most people maybe don't have that uh and they have to clear out stuff and if if anything be becomes a project for you to use it then you're probably not going to use it i mean that's my experience anyway um so yeah, absolutely yeah. yeah i mean i think definitely in in a lot of countries and cities there is not that many people having that uh, space like in the u.s where people have houses yeah i i feel that it's a little bit designed from that from the start but yeah. maybe they realize that most people don't have houses um i have more technical uh questions here coming on first of all did you know that the switch has vr in it no i did not know uh, the vr uh, uh, the nintendo switch has there's been some leaks uh way back in the day where they found that there was some kind some code um hinting of mm -hmm. vr support and nowadays mm -hmm. there's this uh, nintendo what's it called labo mm, yes uh and you can actually have the Nintendo Switch in one of those Labo things to get a feel of uh, VR. But they will be adding even more VR support for it. Is that something that you would look into? That's one of my one of my questions that I have. And the mm -hmm. other one is, what is the biggest change for you going from VR to AR? Which one is harder? Which one is easier? What is the hard thing with doing something in VR in contrast to doing it in AR? Yeah. So for the first question about the uh, Nintendo Switch and VR and the, the Labo kit, we haven't looked into that much. And I, I personally haven't looked into to what could be done there much because we're quite focused on what we're doing right now. But it would be interesting. I get curious right now to actually <laughs> read more about it. So it might be a good idea. Get some, getting some inspiration here. And um, regarding the biggest change working with VR, 
to AR? Well, one of the things uh, is definitely just the mobile aspect of things that since we went from yeah, uh, VR to mobile AR, it's uh, that we have to make sure, well, we have to uh, think of per performance much, much more on mobile. Uh, so that's a big focus while we're developing. Um, yeah, because you don't have as much uh, performance on phones as when you play on through your computer or so. And uh, the second thing is, it is a little bit similar. Well, it is quite similar in the way that you can still like see wherever you want around the, the digital items. Uh, but in AR, it's also integrated with the rest of your environment with the what you see for the camera most of the time which i don't think it has worked that well so far and you have to find a good place to to place out your, your digital assets if if you want them to stay in a place uh, which most of the time i would say we want to do that so that can be quite tricky. And as you mentioned in the last episode, when you have a white wall or a transparent surface, that becomes almost impossible, which is uh, very tricky in AR. And plus then that when you mix things that you see through your camera with the digital elements, it's, it's, it's still very different to make it seem um, seamless into your normal reality that it should be uh, there and that it looks natural. I think a lot of things can still be done with, with that technology. So one of the things that I really like where we're going with AR is actually one thing that was used in uh, Niantic's uh, I would say Niantic's second big hit, which was the thing that came after Pokemon Go, which was called the uh, Hogwarts Wizards Unite. And uh, in that game, there are certain, I can't remember what you call, like key something, cha chambers or something, some places where it is AR and you have to use your camera to, to make a, have the, a setting or AR area around you. But when you see for your camera, you don't see anything of your normal environment. You just see the digital environment. So it becomes almost like a VR setting uh, mm -hmm. because it's, it's only the immersive parts of the digital positive that you can see. And, uh, and then you can move around in that with your camera, which, uh, which I think is much more interesting in a way because then you don't have to fight with that thing of combining how things look in reality versus the digital world. So I want to mention one other demo that I've tried also that uses this uh, way of using AR and it's, it's a mu museum demo. So I think it was replicating a real life museum. So they had built that up in a game world and uh, you could walk around there and just get close to the paintings and uh, yeah, look at them. Um, but yeah, the whole world was uh, just a digital and nothing mixed with the normal world. But I think that was good. Yeah, pretty cool. Uh, but you have it like in your phone in your living room or do you have to be in a specific place? You can do it like anywhere. Um, you just need a certain area idly. Like if you want the whole museum i think you need 
let's say uh, a room that is is as uh, big as a as a museum. But a bigger a bigger living room, something uh, like that. Yeah. <laughs> so it's it's like when you walk through that, it's it's something about the technology that they made, I think, so that you walk a little bit faster in the environment that, than what you're actually doing. So it was a lot of smart things they had made in that demo. Yeah, if it's a one-to-one uh, relationship there, then I guess you really need <laughs> yeah. the, the museum space and then it kind of defeats the purpose, I guess. But yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think as well, it's it's interesting what you're saying because I was thinking a little bit about that as well because it's integrating with realities and and also that the devices have different support for stuff like i know we talked about this but and it was like we didn't know even but the the ipad pro was it the ipad pro that had lidar support so yeah, then with that one you can do some things in ar like you can obscure things in, in but but then i don't think the iphone has lidar for example so then you can't do that so it's different feature sets make yeah. it very hard as well i guess yeah yeah absolutely and that goes into part of the reason why we had to drop the ar feature in our first christopia game because just adding one of the rooms in this puzzle adventure game that was in ar made the performance break on like a lot of lot of devices so that the rest of the game wouldn't work either even though we wanted it to be an, an optional feature in the game and uh yeah, so it's, it's it's very hard with all the different mobile devices that are out there that have to support or not support. And if you drop support for your whole game on a lot of devices, then you lose so so many people that could potentially play your game. So it's it's a tough balance. Yeah. Yeah, and the gaming industry is really uh, it's a tug of war for the players, right? Uh, because everyone wants a piece of the cake of the gaming industry, and all of a sudden you have these huge companies just taking over, uh, like Tencent. I didn't know what Tencent was just a couple of years ago, and then all of a sudden they just bought these major studios and Epic and etc. Yeah. Um, I do have one question. You mentioned previously that uh, you made use of the CryptoKitty data. How did you know which data was on the blockchain? for you to to make use of because the player from what i understood you previously was that the player had to input their address or the the, the yeah the, yeah to the data but how did you once you get access to the data how do you know what kind of data is on there and how did you apply mm-hmm. it to your game so we were actually in contact with the company behind the crypto yeah, okay. case which so is called cheated. Dapper Labs. Yeah, so they... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess you can say that. <laughs> they took the easy way there to <laughs> ask them directly. Uh, but I, I assume there, it shouldn't be too hard to find out what's on their blockchain directly either. Um, I, think, I think that if you're a blockchain expert, you would quite easily be able to find that out still. Okay, because from what I understand, uh, you can basically add whatever kind of data to the blockchain uh, that you would like, right? Yeah. It could be textual yeah. data, it could be geographic data, it could be geometric data, as in what kind of uh, 
level design you have, etc. Yeah. But do you know anything of the limitations uh, from from previous experience? I I know only of sixteen kilobyte as a, as the maximum amount of data that you could put on the blockchain. Mm. Do you know any of that? Is that still valid? Is that something that's way back in the day? Hmm. To be honest, I don't have a number for that. So unfortunately, no, I don't. I don't know what's the limit there. But I know that what we are doing right now is storing, you know, text values, not that many different values. We just want a few different attributes of things that we're adding to the blockchain. And I think that's what most people are doing right now. Uh, so not not super okay. heavy heavy stuff so the, there's still not not that many use cases for more data than 16 kilobytes no not that i know of at least but no. but i mean um, blockchain is just a model so these restrictions um they don't have to apply if you're starting a new blockchain it's it's all up to you uh how you do it so um not i'm not a, i'm not a blockchain expert but um for it, it might be like for bitcoin you have these limitations just because they were put in place by someone else uh, when they designed uh, the thing but it's basically a design pattern uh, blockchain so i guess that i mean you could put full-size assets in there if you wanted to um there's no there's no limit it's just you know the limitation is in the nodes and how much time it takes to sync all the information across the nodes then of course if you're putting large amounts of data um, the nodes will take longer to sync the database, uh, but that's about it. Um, so yeah, because I was thinking in terms of uh, that makes sense what you're saying. Because I was thinking in terms of uh, there's this engine uh, blockchain, which is kind of huge in terms of game uh, yeah. game industry blockchain. Uh, maybe you have some insight in, into that. Uh, and I was thinking. In, similar ones to that one and how much did you in in terms of your games and the technology that you're looking at how much do you implement yourself and how much do you make use of different kinds of already pre-existing ones uh, so do you mean specifically in the, in the integration that we did from our games to the blockchain yeah exactly or... uh, and when you're looking to the, uh, the next game that you're looking because you were brought up yeah. by uh, what uh, was Chrome Away. Chrome, Chrome Away. Yeah. Do they have their uh, own yeah. implementation? Yeah. So, so they have their own blockchain, which is apparently one of the best ones for games as well, because it's like one of the fastest blockchains and quite easy to to implement for developers. So, uh, so it it's uh, been quite convenient for us, and we are also supporting them with user cases in the sense that we give feedback to them on how how we think it would make it easier for game developers to use uh, their block, blockchain in Chromia uh, in the future. And uh, yeah, there are um, some, some, some the most typical examples of blockchain games or blockchain, um, well, applications similar to games are uh, the ones where you can buy land right now so the central land and the sandbox for example and uh, we are making like we are making a few different demos right now and uh, 
And we have one that is making something similar to that. So, you know, storing data of land on the blockchain for a certain game. And potentially one could, you know, sell that in some kind of token sale to finance the project early, uh, which is what the, those, the other projects I mentioned have uh, have done a lot. And uh, by the way, I, I got to add that also another real life application of blockchain beyond the games is real land registry so especially in countries where there is low trust to the government or authorities it makes a lot of sense to store data about land on on a blockchain uh, to use Mm -hmm. the blockchain as the trusting uh, entity instead of something else that was interesting because i I was was thinking exactly that when you said this about gaming (laughs) with land i was like why don't they do this in real life because you know it's blockchain is almost virtually impossible to take over and and crack let's say or manipulate in any way so that that's yeah yeah, makes sense i mean that's a that's a really cool thing yeah and in short i usually say that uh, to explain the blockchain even though it's such a wide technology that can be used for so many things i usually say it's it's a way a technology for trust in transactions uh so yeah you want to make sure that something can be trusted and then you put it on the blockchain because it's decentralized exactly yeah Sorry, I just laughed because (laughs) trusting uh, the the word trust wouldn't be the first one that that comes into mind when I'm thinking of crypto kitties, for instance. (laughs) (laughs) Secure kitties on the on the (laughs) the blockchain. Sorry, that was just a bad bad joke. I'm a dad, so I'm not sure. Yeah, yeah and saying- it doesn't it doesn't help either that there are so many people making scams, you know, crazy coins stuff on the <laughs> blockchain and one this is a huge scam of one coin. I mean, it doesn't help the reputation, but I hope this will uh, be so- sorted out at some point. Yeah, I guess yeah, that because- everybody everybody oh sorry just I guess that yeah. everybody need wants to come up with a new bitcoin and maybe uh, some some yeah. some people even want to um yeah steal your money i guess <laughs> absolutely yeah i yeah, think even the, facebook has one yeah i heard yeah exactly heard, yeah oh uh-huh, okay yeah. what do they yeah, have okay. yeah what is it called something on l right probably uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> i don't know i just read a, read something previously about it but yeah yeah uh, yeah, I and, think it was more hyped than it it became. They, it feels like they haven't done much yet. Yeah, I don't think they actually did go ahead with it. It, it got a lot of critic, uh, bad rep. Uh, yeah. But from my standpoint as a game developer, thinking in terms of Facebook, cryptocurrency, and, which they're like really huge in. I mean, they own Oculus, right? Um, that would be really interesting to see the if they actually go ahead and do something really huge with it yeah but right now uh, i'm feeling that facebook is really on the layback they're they're taking it pretty easy uh from what i from my standpoint Mm -hmm. i I haven't seen much of them in terms of uh vr of course they do uh the, the the new oculus quest just 
came out recently, right? The the second one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, I don't hear much from them either. Uh, they just got to add a coins that, yeah, there are there are infinite number of uh, coins now and they are coming more and more, I think, every every day, uh, which is interesting to see like how, how long it will keep up like this. It was called Libra. Libra, I yes. Yeah, I just had to Google it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know, I know that a lot of gamers are not that happy about Facebook. Um, I, I, I was uh, reading... Gamers uh, or game developers? No, just gamers and gamers. gamers. Okay. Um, yeah. They weren't really happy. I haven't used uh, my Oculus, but apparently you're in a long time because I have a Rift. But apparently you have to have a Facebook account and then people kind of get locked out for we- weird reasons. I, I I don't really remember. I was following this Twitter conversation because I'm always following the uh, um, this uh, Apple versus Epic battle, you know, and, and there was some, some, some comment from Facebook regarding Apple that they were... Because, uh, you know, uh, Facebook came out with their own cloud service now. Um, so... Uh, there was like this, well, you can't play it on an Apple device because Apple doesn't allow uh, you to stream other publishers' um, um, games on, on Apple devices. So um, that, was a, that was a real weird law or, uh, that they, or rule that they have in the App Store. I think that they're losing a lot on it. But yeah, it was a lot of, a lot of people are not that happy about uh, Facebook uh, in general with their handling of, of the Oculus, which I, 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 I haven't had those, tro- those issues, but it seems that a lot of people have. So I don't know. Um, yeah. And, and speaking of that, something that maybe goes also outside of the games topic, but it's very interesting to think about how you can use blockchain to store your your digital identity in the future. Because if people become discontent with Facebook and still want to keep their digital identity that they have built up on Facebook, let's say their network or other things they like and stuff which have taken many years to, to create, uh, I, I'm sure there would be some use to be able to store that on the blockchain, on a trustful source uh, where you can actually move your digital profile to to new um, providers that are perhaps not Facebook, but you can bring the same data uh, between those versions. Yeah, I think, uh, I think that's one way that we're, that our data is going uh, because, you know, there's, Everything that you do on the internet is basically recorded. Not only, uh, not only Facebook, but every click that you click, every link that you uh, make use of or follow, that is stored somewhere. And there's so much data going out that you don't even know yourself. If you if you want to just make sure that you're protected, I think blockchain is the only way to go. Yeah. Even I mean, VPN is just one way for you to connect to another computer but that doesn't say that your habits are changing so people can still see that you're the one uh doing things whatever you, know, you do i mean you, you you know how much money there is in data analytics yeah. it's yeah, insanity exactly. mm-hmm. i mean it's just exactly. Because uh, that's that's one of the one one of the biggest sources sources of incomes for Google, for example, because they sell analytics to companies, 
um and you know even if you sure i mean if you don't if you have a vpn then it's it's not directly linked to you but you're it's still the same data you're still, you're still like using yeah and you you still kind of have this pattern of of consumption of data let's mm. call it so you know that's that's uh not gonna change probably because we're set in our ways different people use different different types of of data differently so you know they they make huge amounts of money on off that um so yeah i want to segue this taking this conversation into a question to you um what we're basically talking about here is a huge amount of data which can be used as an analytics which can then be uh, fed into some kind of an AI uh, that can replicate you, right? That's one way to look at uh, an application of it in terms of games. Is that something that you might be interested in the, in the future, looking into more deep learning kinds of AI technology mm. to use for your games? Hmm. Very interesting. Um... I think if we if we got a lot of data and uh, could create some valuable things from that, I think it would definitely be an interesting area to look into. I think a lot of the big game companies would benefit a lot from from using AR, AI, and deep learning and. Um, these kind of technologies for for us that see us a bit more as a startup i think it's more about early on experimenting unless we of course want to support other game companies with making uh, technologies or so but we're keeping our focus on like experimenting what the what like core games and for which technology that would work and uh, i would say yeah we even though it's very interesting technologies we're, we're trying to keep our focus uh, on other technologies right now makes sense i mean it's a good thing to be like i said uh, way in the beginning there it's good to have your core uh, strength right and build on that yeah so that makes sense i was just i was also thinking uh, in terms of because i know i have some insight in you into your uh workflow and you work with unity right do you also work with the Unity AR part, uh, the Mars system? Uh, sorry, the Mars system. Yeah, the, it's basically a Unity's take on an AR uh, workflow. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm guessing so you don't would know it, about it. <laughs> no, <laughs> exactly, no. No, I don't think we have worked with that. Uh, so would that then replace AR Kit, AR Core, and AR it Foundation. Builds on, it builds on them. What it does is that it it creates an, a virtual workflow for you. So you mm. can you can say that, okay, I have say my character which has, uh, which is half meter wide, two meters tall, needs to be stationed on a surface that is, say, eighty centimeters times two meters say a table mm. uh, and i expect this kind of content to be shown maybe 40 centimeters above ground mm. and you just add a lot of you just say that you 
you describe your environment in which you want to add stuff to, and then uh, Unity builds this environment for you where you can just test out does this actually work for you or not. You don't have to build uh, your game or your experience every time and try. So you need to do that as well because it's always good to uh, aspects of the game. But also, in order to speed up the, the workflow, the, the Mars environment is kind of a context-aware, responsive kind of a physical space, but virtual. Hmm. Cool. Yeah, I should talk with the developers uh, to see if they know about it. Um, but yeah, really cool. we're, we're definitely not working with it right now. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because it, it, it would have been really cool to just get your take on uh, on that. Mm. Um, now I have to jump in. I have to ask the question that I think we should ask. If if you were doing it all over again, what would you change? Or would you do everything in, in the same way that you did? And also, um, do you have any tips to game developers or people that want to start a game studio in general? Hmm. Oh, that's... That kind of question is, uh, yeah, always very interesting to think about. And I think what we could have done is to think about our strengths even earlier uh, than what we did. So, I mean, it's always it's always hard to know things before you experimented and testing tested your hypothesis and seeing what works and what doesn't uh, but i think really a core thing in succeeding in business and games and um, anything in life is to identify your competitive advantage meaning a lot of times what are your strengths comparable to other ones who are doing the same thing and for example, in the case of Crystal Cart, I think that we should have thought about if if we were the right ones to make a, a racing game um, to start with, uh, like if if we had a competitive advantage in that space, we did have a competitive advantage in the new technology in VR and AR because that transition was definitely smoother than we uh, had expected and uh, it's uh, yeah it's quite similar thinking in a lot of ways uh, but yeah i think we would have stayed course on uh, on genre and the things that we that we knew early and had learned from the first games and seen like where our passion lies and what we want to do because i think that's a lot of times what you are and also are good at what you uh, what you have passion about mm. um, and um, hmm. more than that I think it's always like good I, I think if I could go back I would have put even more effort and time and energy into uh, the relationships with the, the giants uh, like uh, uh, Oculus or uh, Apple and Google, like we we do put a lot of in effort on it, um, but I think even more because they are so 
much determining a lot of your success and can help you also to get a lot of insights. They sit on a lot of data that can help you in the development. Uh, so as long as you get in contact with them, and that's also one of my advice for people that start a games company or, or early days, I think it's good to make sure that you, you have one, some contact with one of these giants in one way or another. Uh, I talk to other people in the games industry to try to get them make you in contact with one of the giants so that you have someone to start this relationship with or can lead you to the right person and things like this. Uh, we had a lot of contact with uh, Google's AR, um, responsible for AR. And uh, yeah, she, uh, she gave us a lot of good advice and could hint about new features coming and uh, steer us in what we should look at and things like that. So that was extremely valuable. Um, and also we've had a lot of good contact with the Oculus who also gave us uh, some, some real good input on like what VR players expect and uh, what you need to, like what are minimum things, the things where you can really excel in VR and things like that. So, uh, so yeah, building, building those relationships, I think is something that is easily, easily forgotten when you're sitting, let's say, alone or with a friend and just making the game and focusing on it. And of course, if you get a publisher, they can help out with this kind of stuff. But if you don't, then I think it's, it's really good to have some, some connections there that can support you. Yeah, that was a very good answer. I like that one. Uh, because it is true. I mean, it's very, it's very easy to become introvert and focus on your game. Um, yeah. So, and and as you said, like relationships with Google, that's that's very valuable because those are real time savers. If you know that they're gonna bring out some feature that you really want pretty soon, you know that you don't have to kind of. Um, go around and try to make your own technology for that or implement something on your own because support is coming so that's those are real time savers so that was a very good answer exactly uh, as exactly. a quick follow up to that one Maxi boy uh, if you're actually in relationship with them <laughs> um, yeah. you get that inside scoop already you you know that there will be even before the the market shows it yeah exactly so that's the only chance if you want to be first with some really cool features to do you have to be have those relationships and, yeah. and get this yeah. access definitely i had a question for you uh, a couple of years ago where we met for the first time uh, at leo game conference we were sitting on a panel that was where we first uh got in contact uh we got a question from uh, from the moderator there which was 10 years from now what will you look back on today and laugh at you said that we you would laugh at how we would test games at that uh at that time is that still the same oh you wow have you have a there? great memory <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> sometimes <laughs> stuff just stick ah <laughs> oh, uh, i had to think back to that moment <laughs> yeah how we test games i think my thinking there must have been that uh, we will uh, autom how to say uh, make uh, make much more testing uh, automatic and uh, mm, 
yeah, there are so many, so many things that we can test automatically if we just have the systems for that. The AI and deep learning goes into all of those. And so I definitely think there is more to it. And doesn't mean that no human needs to test it because that's the super important as well but for other aspects than the ai i think yeah like security uh bugs uh when when we programmers tend to touch code we also tend to break it uh so (laughs) definitely happens a lot sadly yes (laughs) yes i I saw a meme somewhere an an image whenever a, a programmer writes one line of code he creates Four types of codes. Uh, I mean, bugs. So, <laughs> well, you must have, you must have seen you must have seen the meme that I sent you with the uh, with the guy that he's pouring salt into the soup and he has he has he already has a spoon of soup up um, and he's still pouring salt and tasting from the spoon, but <laughs> but he never actually dipped <laughs> the spoon in the soup to taste. <laughs> so that's kind of the, the process sometimes when you're testing the wrong thing. It's like yeah, well you know. Yeah. <laughs> the reason why I actually remember it, uh, your answer is because I was really impressed by the answer because that mm. was something that I really didn't think of at the time. Mm. Do you mm. test your stuff, by the way, mm. as a closing remarks? Because I just saw that. We cross the hour marks. Right. You said how I test myself. No, not yourself. Do you test your... I mean, you can test yourself as well. But in general, uh, in general, how we test is um, we test uh, both internally quite a lot. And that's also something that I... I got indoctrinated into when I was working <laughs> at Paradox that like we need to test our games like all the time. And if you don't do it, test, test it even more now. Um, so, so I really think it's important that the, the, the well, not only the dev, everyone working with game is um, testing the game a lot. A lot. And uh, also we have actually been using like friends and family kind of testing, uh, but we're also working with the great uh, and several great QA companies in different countries that uh, are helping us in different aspects to get more devices tested on because we don't have that many devices internally. Uh, and there are so many different devices to test on as we're talking about. So yeah, so, yeah I, think, I think the more ways of testing the better um so there are so many different types of tests and what we should have done earlier is also more performance testing uh, on mobile it's like performance tests all the time i wish yeah i was thinking that you testing is a big part of your uh of your workflow because there are so many mobile devices that you need to make sure that stuff can actually run on um so yeah. it makes it makes a lot of sense. I, I guess I mean that can be a headache for you guys sometimes. Uh, I'm I'm assuming because of the vari- variety of devices and and their their variable performance. That's that's I guess the the biggest thing because they do run mainly two operating system systems. And I I would believe that Apple might be a bit easier, but I don't know since I'm not into that uh, uh, mm-hmm. that world that much. But yeah, yeah it has been a true true headache. Thing. like we always want the testers uh, in in India uh, for example that we're working with to to make as 
many to test on as many devices as possible but uh, but it's like they can't have one single tester just have or um, sit on all the devices all the time but they have to distribute them and so then we have to hire more people to test on more devices and then it can get quite expensive so it's, uh, <laughs> yeah. it's a bit of a bad circle uh, so i hope that will change in the future too to yeah. get easier to test on many kind of devices i th- i've honestly now when i think about it i think there might be a huge business opportunity there if someone could solve that easily true <laughs> true Maybe one of our listeners does. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Contact me if you have a <laughs> So you're, you're actually investing in those kinds of companies? Max, what do you say? <laughs> Want to start one? I'm not a, I'm not a, I, I, I hate tests. <laughs> ah, man. <laughs> it's like every well, time I, well, I'm a coder. So every time it's like, oh, you have to test it. Oh, like, oh, no, <laughs> but it works. Like, are you sure? Test it. With that said, we should probably uh, run it off, right, Maxi Boy? Yes. Uh, yeah. I just want to say thank you to Anna for being with us. It was a real pleasure. Thank you very much for taking your time thank you to very be much. here. Yeah. Thank you very much really. for inviting me. Always. And you should, you should definitely be here again in the future Ooh. if you have time and an opportunity for it. And I would definitely want to pick your brains on, on different subjects in the future. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Would love to join again. Thank you very much. And thank you to our listeners. Uh, If you have any questions or if you want to comment, please uh, do so on our Instagram or our Twitter accounts, puzzling.passion on both accounts. Yeah, and uh, check out Antler Interactive as well. They make pretty cool games, so uh, definitely check them out. Support them, support them. Really cool. Yep. (laughs) Well, great. Then we can sign off. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.